0: (laughs) Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Once Upon a Fam podcast. I am your host, Zach Van Norman, and I am joined by my regular co-hosts, Amy Hood and Ashley Benson. Hello, Amy Darling.
1: Hello, darling. How are you?
0: Doing fantastic. Thank you very much for asking. Very excited for our podcast this evening. Um, which is our 50th broadcast. And, um, Ashley, I know that you are a new edition, newer edition, I should say. But, uh, Amy, you've been with me since the very beginning, so it's kind of hard to believe that we're on number 50. I don't know about you. but
1: I, Yes, I can't believe it. I just realized right before we started, too, that this was the 50th podcast when I happened to log in. I was like, oh, no way. Awesome. And now we have our fabulous <laughs> Ashley with us. Yay!
2: Oh, thank you, guys. Yeah, no, I'm just, I was thinking about, I'm like, wow, 50, 50 podcasts going strong like that, that's, that's nothing to sneeze at, really. That's pretty That's pretty awesome. So congrats to you guys, because you started it all. Oh, you're the cutest. Just want to pinch
1: your granny cheeks. <laughs>
0: kind of crazy. Kind of crazy, indeed, yeah. All right, everybody. So we're going to go ahead and get uh, going with our news roundup, I just We have a lot to discuss. This was a fantastic episode, and we have a lot that we need to talk about. Um, So yeah, I want to make sure that we take the opportunity to do that. And before we get started, I'm going to issue our usual disclaimer and let everybody know, of course, that the chat room is open. And if you're trying to log in, it may take you a couple of page refreshes before it will let you. However, it is already open, and I can see there's a bunch of people in there. Hello to... Uh, Angie Konisberg, Sarah Benedict, Sarah Egan, Peter Pizza, um, Jamie, I see you in there, too. Hello, everybody. And to everyone who's just logged in as a guest, hello to you also, and thank you very much for joining us. We appreciate it. So, oh, Rose Mason, I see you in there, too. Hi, Rose. Okay, so, um, yeah, let's go ahead and get into this discussion because there is, as I said, a lot to discuss so, on the first news bulletin <laughs> that we have, of course, is that uh, this last week, Lana Perea won TV Guide's Fan Favorite Award for Favorite Villain, which we are uh, very excited for. Congratulations to Lana. Uh, very happy for you, of course. Um, and well-deserved, I might add. There is no villain like the Evil Queen Regina. So, it's well-deserved. Congratulations.
1: Definitely. She's fabulous. There's nobody as good as the evil queen on (laughs) anywhere around
2: no i think this uh this most recent episode definitely proved it in that case because uh and we'll talk about this later but some of the scenes with her yeah just just (laughs) i was having so much fun yes
1: so good we will of course get to
0: those uh shortly however we need to get through some other things first, but I am very much looking forward to discussing the return of the evil queen to storybrook then. Very excited. And um, she is, of course, a, a, a favorite of the people. And speaking of people, Amy has some news for
1: it. We do. For the past several weeks, we've been telling you guys to vote, vote, vote for the People's Choice Awards. And they didn't really, on their site, have a time frame for it to stop. And I know in previous times it's gone pretty close to the airing of the show, but actually voting has actually closed this past week. So if you didn't already get a chance to vote, voting has ended for People's Choice Awards. So hopefully our our, uh, sponsors did really well and the Once Upon a Family came out and drove and voted. I know a lot of people that were going in every single day to vote for those. Uh, actors that vote for the show and you know, best couple, the character we miss the most, so hopefully we really get great representation when the show comes around, but voting has in fact closed for that. Sarah's saying she voted, like, every day, so good girl. <laughs> awesome. They are fabulous, and on top yes, of the acting... I could, I
0: could, uh... I did some voting myself, <laughs> Jennifer Morrison. <laughs> yeah. So um, <laughs> yeah,
1: mo
2: <Demo.
0: laughs> <coughs> oh, Excuse me, there. Excuse me.
2: What <laughs> <laughs> a strange coffee you two have! I don't even know. Is this is this something going around?
1: It is yeah, JMO. It is swan fever. Swan fever. Yeah. <laughs> you
0: know she's she just has you know she is she is quite the captivating effect on people. She's uh, you know she has she's a very effective character. Oh, my, speaking of effective things, Ashley, we have some (laughs) news for us on some things.
2: I'm sorry, I'm still recovering from that pun. Um, I do have some news for you. Um, Just recently, uh, PostMagazine.com, and I am going to put a link to the article in the chat room right now, but PostMagazine.com did an interview with Andrew Orloff, who is the – Supervisor for the visual effects on Once Upon a Time, and it's just it's a short-ish uh, article about basically what goes into creating the visual effects um, in regards to programming, but also um, there's a couple of interesting, neat little tidbits in here I, I'd like to mention. They talk about um, if the uh, if the visual effects on the show if they have any like signature effects that they use. So they talk about the magical smoke and, and the poofing in and out, which I think is fun that they mentioned because to me that always has been such a unique and such a visual cue that I'm watching once upon a time is that magical smoke billowing. So for them to have intentionally cultivated that's fantastic. Another thing I want to point out about the article that I actually didn't know this Um They talk about how this uh, the company Zoic Studios creates somewhere between 350 to up to 500 visual effects shots per episode. To give you an idea of what that means, um, Life of Pi, a movie that um, I believe was comprised mostly of visual effects shots, had about 960 shots total and only and 690 of those were visual effects. So to say that visual effects are uh a huge part of Once Upon a Time and a huge part of telling the story of Once Upon a Time is a bit of an understatement and it's just a, it's a really great read if you're ever interested in um just everything from the little things like the backgrounds in the enchanted forest they go over that to some of the bigger things like creating CGI characters like, uh, grand Poppy for this most recent frozen storyline. Um, personally I'm a big fan of the, the visual effects on the show. So it, it's just, it was a really informative, great read. I highly recommend it.
0: I highly recommend it as well. Speaking from, uh, from a more production point of view, because I have gone to school for this. Um, Really, the fact that, you know, and I'm glad that Ashley brought up the comparison there with Life of Pi, because as you mentioned, Life of Pi is a film that is comprised mostly of visual effect shots, lots of CG in that. And as you said, there are 960 shots total in that movie, 690 of which have some kind of visual effect on them. And the fact that this show, and that was a huge movie with a very extended um, production time as far as the, you know, post-production and getting all those effects added. Uh, the fact that the show in Zoic Studios is including 350 to 500 effect shots per episode really, you know, lets you know that, you know, not only are they investing a lot of their budget into the effects, but also the fact that they manage to make them look as good as they do is really a testament to everybody who is working on the visual effects, not only the people at Zoic Studios, but also the directors, the the uh, lighting crew, um, the cameramen, everybody who is working on the production side of things. Because when it comes to visual effects, and it is something that is mentioned in the article, um, they have to be part of the production process from the very beginning. Typically, the studios who are doing visual effects are not so included from the very beginning, for even as writing the episode goes, because they have the budget and the manpower to you know, deal with the kind of effects that are going on. With this being a weekly television show, they have to be involved heavily, because everything from the scenes that are written, to where they place the camera, to the way that the scenes are lit – it all has an effect on the final product, which the visual effects then have to complement. So this is a statement really to the entire production crew, you know, pre production, production and post production. Um everybody who's working on the show on all asset, aspects of it rather. So um just wanna, you know, tip my hat a little bit to Zoic Studios and all of the cast, or all of the crew members rather who you know, go through this process every week because the amount of work and detail and dedication involved on that is pretty extreme, and they're doing it all to bring us this fabulous show. So tip of the hat to everybody working on the show
1: on the uh, production side of things. Definitely. So good. And I heard, Zach, you, I believe, have information about this, but we're also getting something, somebody new aside from our villains that are coming oh oh no no. yes
0: we don't mention them yet oh my gosh okay so um because i'll I'll just explode my little oh my god my disney fan heart will just explode at the thought of it because we're get we're going to get to that everybody trust we all saw that promo so um there is some there's some casting news going on uh you may have heard about this on once upon a fan or otherwise but if not just want to let everybody know once upon a time is casting the possibly recurring role of a king whose crown was hard won, and the fight to keep it has taken a toll. He is also described as being handsome, though not refined, and also highly protective of his family. Now, the fact that there are certain people coming to the show in the second half of the season uh, makes, you know, kind of makes it easy to guess who this king may be. Um, the two obvious possibilities are King Triton, Uh, who is the ruler of Atlantica and also Ariel's father. And also King Stefan, who is the father of Aurora and, you know, what I assume to be the former king of her kingdom. Uh, Now, whether or not it's the kingdom that we saw in season two with the rather Arabian-looking castle remains to be seen. Um, But I think that there is a good chance that it's going to be one of these two. Honestly, I would put my money more on King Stefan than on King Triton only because um I and you know, I know that Joanna Garcia Swisher is very busy filming another show and she may be able to come back and do a couple of guest spots as Ariel um in the season. But I think that it's more likely to be King Stefan for two reasons. One, Maleficent has been pegged as the main villain of the second half of the story. Um, she will be joined by two others, of course, but uh, so far it seems like Maleficent is going to be the queen bee um, for the for the second half of the season, and so I would think that with her playing such a prominent role in the storyline that they will probably address Sleeping Beauty more than The Little Mermaid, especially considering that they have already done a little bit from The Little Mermaid in season three and given us that episode, Ariel. Um but also because um, I think that the Maleficent storyline in Once Upon a Time is likely to follow the Angelina Jolie film version of Maleficent rather closely. Um, That would be my guess. Uh, And as far as the king, whose crown was hard won, the fight to keep it has taken a toll. That sounds a little bit like the movie version of King Stefan from Maleficent. So I would think that it's gonna be more likely to be King Stefan than King Triton. Of course, having said that, I do not believe that they are going to make King Stefan on Once Upon a Time anywhere as big as a crazed lunatic as he is in uh-huh. the film. Um, nor as violent and really just a jackass. So, um I think that they both <laughs> Make him a little bit nicer of a guy. um, More, yeah, more than it would be for King Triton. Ashley, what do you think about this? What do you think about this stuff?
2: I am at a disadvantage because I've never seen Maleficent. Um, And I know I need to just turn in my my Disney movie card now because I haven't seen the Angelia Jolie version (laughs) yet. Um, But I... I do agree with your logic, Zach, that it would make more sense to have uh to to explore more of uh, Maleficent's and the sleeping beauty story and Aurora's background. I really do enjoy I enjoyed uh one of my favorite parts of season two was the introduction of Aurora and Mulan. Um, so I would love to see maybe even Jimmy Chung back too, but definitely would like to see more of how Maleficent – Maleficent, obviously, is very powerful – how she fits in with everything in all the realms of Once Upon a Time. Because she's very powerful, and everyone kind of tends to leave her alone, and I want to know why that is. Uh, let me yeah. just say,
0: and this this may be an unpopular opinion um, amongst people who are either in the chat room or for people who are um, listening to the podcast – either, you know, after the after our live broadcast now or if you're listening to it and, you know, you're not in the chat room right now. I do not particularly care for the film version of Maleficent. Um, the reason being is that in the animated version, uh, Maleficent is a straight-up villain. She is the mistress of all evil, as she proclaims herself to be. And the king and queen, King Stefan and his wife, the queen, are nice people. The film version of Maleficent takes the King Stefan character and turns him completely on his head and turns him into somebody that you would never recognize based just off of the animated version. And it also does some things with Maleficent particularly at the end, and I won't spoil it for you, but at the end, I do not care for it. Um, there <laughs> there are iconic moments in the movie that are missing, I mean, or excuse me, from the animated movie that are missing in the live action version. And particularly at the end, and I, I just, I don't care for I think the movie as itself, by itself is okay. But as far as, uh, the fact that they were incorporating so many different things from the animated version of Sleeping Beauty, I just don't care for it. Uh, Amy, feel free to agree or disagree on that fact.
1: I thought that it was one of those movies that's visually stunning, and there were parts of the story that I really loved. I loved some of the twists, but, but some of it, like, I wanted you know, that full-on evil Maleficent that I love so much from the cartoon. I didn't dislike the movie at all by any means. I liked it, and I did like it more on the second viewing, but it's definitely, um, I, I did, I missed that Mistress of All Evil, you know, dragon, that that whole thing. I don't want to give away the ending either. I thought there were some really really beautiful things to it, though. The movie is gorgeous, and I love Angelina Jolie. She's gorgeous, too, oh, yeah. but, she,
0: yeah. She did an excellent <laughs> job, but...
1: Um, yeah. Yeah, to continue. No, I was just going to say, so it's, I mean, it's not, there, there were little pieces that I thought uh, should have been included that were not. But I mean, all in all, it's a beautiful movie. And Ash, you have to see it. It took me forever to see it too. I really can't say anything. It's only within like the last month and a half that I finally saw it. So well,
2: what I'm get, what I'm getting from you guys is that it's a great fantasy movie. But as a Sleeping Beauty movie, it leaves something to be desired. And that's kind of how I felt when I saw that uh, Constantine movie with Keanu Reeves. Like this is a uh-huh. great science fiction-y, Christian mythology demons and, you know, holy relics movie, but it's a really crap Hellblazer movie. Um, so I think that's kind of interesting. Like if I go in watching it, I think, with knowing to just kind of let go of like my Sleeping Beauty expectations, I think I'll probably enjoy it more actually. So maybe we'll see over the hiatus if I have time for uh, movie viewing.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely check it out. Thoughts on it. I would love to hear what you think. Um, and, you know, so speaking of, you know, villains who are coming to the show, obviously one of them mm-hmm. is Cruella mm-hmm. Divide, being played by Victoria Smurfit, And she was actually mentioned recently in an article by Ginny Goodwin, and Ashley has that news for us.
2: I do. Ginny uh, Goodwin, yes, it was a TV line article, and – um What she mentioned about Cruella was, uh, she said, and I'll quote from the article here, it, like everything else on Once Upon a Time, will make sense to the extent that you're like, how was this not incorporated in the animated feature? She's a perfect Once family member, absolutely. Now, that's very interesting to me. I wonder, I mean, obviously we talk about the Once Upon a Time family and the One Family. I hope. I kind of hope she doesn't mean like the literal once family, as in she's another branch on Henry's family tree. Um, oh my but god!
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> what? Poor Henry. Uh, you mentioned? Well, yeah. Oh my god! Like, can you imagine that showing up at Thanksgiving, like, darling? Yeah, I don't know what she related would say at Thanksgiving. to everyone. But so um, I find it very interesting um Ginny stresses so much that it'll make sense how she'll fit in because I know we've gone back and forth on the podcast um in about Cruella's role with in everything with Once Upon a Time since she in her uh original tale doesn't have magic, like how she would be incorporated, where she would come from so I feel like that would be a very interesting part of her storyline that we're going to be seeing soon. What do you think, Amy? I
1: I do think so. Like, if she turns out to be like a dog walker, or I still agree with Maury from our band site. I think that she's going to be, I don't know, like a pelt hunter for werewolves or something. But I don't know. I I love that Jenny said she was a good fit. And another thing I loved from this article was Jenny was that she – she couldn't give spoilers but that Snow White has a really big arc coming up in the second half of the season so um, she mentioned Mm -hmm. to being a new mom that she was fine in the first half of the season to kind of hang back because it was really really hard for her to leave Oliver Mm -hmm. with one of the grandparents which I mean pretty much most moms can understand that and she said now she's getting back into the swing of things and she's super excited about this huge arc that she's involved with for the next section of the season. So I'm really excited to see too what they're doing with snow now. Is that she's you know, whatever this big arc is that she's getting.
2: Well, I hope it has to do with either the dark spot on her heart or the fact that she only has half a heart. I want them to they, – they they touch and go on that, and they've mentioned that in the season past, and I'm sure we'll get into it more when we actually get into our episode discussion. But I, those two events were so pivotal in just Snow White's story in past seasons. I want them to come back and be relevant again. So fingers crossed on those two, I think. Uh-huh. I am
0: also very intrigued by Cruella and how exactly she's going to work into everything. And we we can speak more on this on the promo, but I do have an idea of something that we're going to see um, in next week's episode, actually. And it comes from the promo, but we're going to save that promo for last because, uh, yeah, since that's where the show is going to, that's where I want everything to end on. So we'll just do that. Okay. So, um, let's see here. That's pretty much it for our news roundup. And so let's go ahead and get into the spell of shattered sight because, yeah. oh, my goodness. Yeah. First of all, let's start with our, with our, oh, and you know what, too? One thing that, and, well, we can actually reference this now. Um, overall, I feel that this episode was the best one of the season so far. Um, I feel that it had a really good, what actually kind of surprised me about this episode was that overall, I would say the tone was more comedic than it was dramatic, but the moments of drama that we had with the snow queen kind of weighted out a little bit equally. Um, I found her storyline to be the more dramatic and the, um, you know, Spell of Shattered Sight was definitely more comedy than what I was expecting. Um, how, and I feel that it hit all the right notes. Um, I will also just say that if Elizabeth, like somebody needs to get Elizabeth Mitchell an Emmy immediately. <laughs> um, be, because, oh my good gracious. And we will discuss the scene, of course, of why I think so and everything else. But her her performance is just so nuanced. But anyway. I feel that this episode was the best one of the season and if this is what we're getting the week before the mid season finale, I can only imagine what next week's episode will hold because um, there are obviously great episodes of the show altogether, but Adam and Eddie typically write, I mean, since they write the the premieres and the finales for every season and now every half season, those are the ones that typically they, they include That's a lot of one. drama and they, Yeah, they're just the most fun. So if this is what we're getting the week before the the midseason finale, I can only imagine what is going to happen next week. Amy, what was your overall thought on this episode?
1: This was easily my favorite episode of the season so far. I thought that it was so funny, some of the parts, where it was lighthearted and sweet, and then it was so dark, and, oh, my God, Elizabeth Mitchell. Oh, I'm still recovering from this episode. In fact, this is my week to write the recap for the site because, you know, you guys out there, if you read our recaps, uh, we rotate, and if someone from the staff takes the show each week and has a turn writing the recap, this is my week. And when I was writing some of Elizabeth Mitchell's, you know, the Snow Queen's, parts towards the end, I was literally like tearing up writing the recap this morning. So I I loved this episode. I thought it was beautiful and funny and it was just everything that I hoped this episode would be. And the two things that I specifically asked for last week on the podcast were both in the episode. So I'm just
2: like, yes. Awesome. I... I, I got to agree with you guys. This is my favorite one of the season. It's, it's, it, you know why? Because it was fun. I had fun watching it. Even when it was dramatic and heartbreaking, I was still so glued to my television. I mean, but the the comedic parts were just, I, I I re- rewatched it last night and I had a big grin on my face. And I, uh-huh. you know, I I tend to react to television. I'm one of those people who whoops at the TV when things happen. Um my uh-huh. neighbors must think that I'm absolutely insane cuz the noises I was making <laughs> watching it's just cuz it was I don't know how else to express that it. it was actively fun. It even even with a little bit of danger, even with the conflict, even with the resolution of the snow queen story it was just entertaining. It was what TV should be, you know. It put a smile on my yeah. face. So And there, was, I, I there have were
1: things no that I was surprised by. Like I, you know, there were, which I love. We've all talked about how we don't like to be spoiled, you know, and we like to, you know, find things out. And I felt like there were actual twists and turns throughout the night that I I had not figured out, which I love.
0: Yeah, there was a lot to this episode, and it was really, really good. There were some things that happened that I was not expecting. Um, I really didn't have any expectations going into this episode, Um, but there were a lot of things that happened that just kind of blew my mind and reinforced the quality of the show to me and how good it can be, how good it has been in the past. And I really feel like this season – You know, and I know a lot of people are tired of the Frozen storyline, which I understand. But I really feel that this season has captured a creative spirit that the show hasn't had in a while. Not to say that it hasn't been creative and fun, because I still think that it has been. But I feel that their integration of the Snow Queen into the Frozen story, the fact that Frozen is based on the Snow Queen fairy tale how mirrors are such an important part of the show and always have been, the way that that worked. Um, there are so many layers to this storyline that I feel that it really sets the bar a little bit higher. Um, some people can't see past you know, the whole Frozen storyline and the fact that it, it didn't focus on our core characters as much. And again, I get that. I do think that the second half of the season is going to make up for it. Um, One of my friends actually said to me that if the frozen half of the storyline was kind of more for fans of that movie who are, let's be honest, more kids than adults, the second half of the storyline is going to be for the adults more than the kids,
2: Mm -hmm. just basically.
0: (laughs) And that really excites me to, to no end.
2: Yes, I... I, when you said that I had to put the evil left because it just it gave me kind of a chill. Like you're like, "What season four B is for the adults." And I agree with you. I think. I mean, I agree very much with you that we that we see we're seeing something that we hadn't seen before with the Snow Queen and then Elsa kind of being compared. I don't want to say compared because they weren't actively being compared, but being side by side on the screen and the audience, you know, seeing two different facets of one character, basically. It was very neat. Um, yeah, I mean, I uh, let's just put it this way. I went into the season, when Elsa popped out of that urn in season three, at the end of season three, I literally went, oh, come on, at my Perfect. television. And I was really worried. Mm-hmm. Um, I This season exceeded my expectations. I had After the first episode, I really had no worries because I just I don't know it, it just the way it was written in the way that we still the the frozen the frozenness never froze over our characters, I don't think we still had strong moments from them, like scenes between Snow White and Regina, or pretty much everything in this past episode, especially emma's uh flash or yeah flashbacks in foster care. We just got so many great little morsels from our characters that i yeah. I that's what I really liked about the season.
1: Yeah, I definitely agree. Re- I was afraid Frozen was going to and I love Frozen, but I I was afraid it was going to take over and leave, you know, our core characters out and make the focus Frozen. I felt like they made a very nice incorporation with the characters and they sort of I can't remember if this was you, Zach, that used the word, they made like a nice framing or maybe it was Ash. To, I think it was that. The, what, so Yeah, one of you guys said that they made, you know, great framing for the story where they were in and out and, you know, kind mm-hmm. of around, but they didn't take over, which I liked. I liked that they kind of did a company and that we did get the other version of the Snow Queen who I ended up loving.
0: Yeah, I love the Snow Queen so much and I wish that she could have stuck around. Um, however, I I think that the, uh, the resolution to her storyline was so many things that we'll talk about when we actually get to that point <laughs> because we're not quite there yet. Um, so let's start out with basically, you know, how the episode went. And of course, you know, it opens with us seeing that Storybrooke is literally tearing itself apart. Um, So many people are, you know, they were all fighting, but, you know, I mean, it was chaos. It was complete and utter chaos in a way that we have never seen these people act before. And even though I don't necessarily enjoy watching my characters fight with each other like that, there was a certain, Breath of fresh air almost in seeing them behave in a way that they don't normally because it it gives more depth to their characters and shows uh-huh. that they're capable of behaving in a way that is outside the norm for what we've seen thus far um and i I really like that, and not only did it do that for the characters, but it also gave the actors a chance to showcase more of their range and uh-huh. I really enjoy. It's, it's really fun for me as a fan of not only the show and the characters but also of all the actors to get to see them display their range of talent, to get them act in ways that they don't normally on the show and bring us really a different version of the characters, which I think is a very unique accomplishment considering the fact that we have already seen the Enchanted Forest, non-cursed versions of a lot of them. We have seen mm-hmm. in season one the, the cursed version of them. We've seen them as both people, as the integration of both from season two onward. And now to have seen them all acting this way, it really is just giving more facets to all of their characters. And it was really interesting to watch.
1: I agree, and I love the interaction between the dwarves. I mean, Happy trying to kill Grumpy with a crossbow, Doc slapping Dopey and yelling at him in the middle of the street to speak when Dopey's a mute. Dopey didn't seem affected by this curse at all, but we see all the other dwarves. You see Granny running through. I mean, there was so just many, I felt like this was, while it was kind of dark, because, yeah, they're all ripping each other apart, it was funny. Like, it was lighthearted, and I I loved the scene. And last week is when I asked. I was like, oh, I hope that next week that while all this is going on, Ingrid just walks on the street, and she's all giddy. And when it showed her doing that, I was like, ah, yes.
2: I really like seeing um – Our uh, our main characters taking that as well, but I did love every time somebody stepped out in the street and just – I love that while there was some focus, a lot of it was kind of in the background. There was just background shenanigans. Like, it gave you a real sense that the entire town was just going haywire. I mean – I wonder, like living in Storybook, what I would really love an episode. Um, and it was it was you know, that was kind of hinted at, um, in a past season about the dwarves being like, well, you know, Snow snow White and Charming and everybody aren't here, so like everything's nice and chill. I would love an episode (laughs) from somebody other than the core group's point of view, just the entire episode, just to see how they would deal with something like this, where. I mean, if you weren't up to date on, like, the Snow Queen terrorizing a town, you know, you wake up one morning and you instantly hate your, your roommate or your significant other and just kind of having to deal with that. I just I think that's an interesting aspect of it as well. Um, yeah. Well, that was one of the things that was really fun for me is to see everybody tear each other apart with the curse, both our secondary characters and our main characters, because we got some great scenes that we're going to talk about later. Um, between a lot of our main characters uh, that I'm really excited to talk about.
0: Same here. So let's get into that, shall we? All right. So one of them, of course, and I I just want to... So, okay, talking about the mains, let's just get to it. Snow White and Prince Charming in the jail cells. Ah. (laughs) So Charming... Charming and Snow have always been my favorite couple on the show. I think that they may always, you know, they probably always will be. Because um, they were the first couple that I was rooting for. They were the ones in season one that I, I just wanted them to get together. I've always been into Snowing. The Charming family have always been my favorite characters. So um, it was I was excited to see what was going to happen with them. Seeing them kind of going at each other in the jail cell, I mean, it was it was so funny, even though it was supposed to be bad, they were like, it was like really, the whole thing was like comic relief because when, like, you know, when Charming said to her, you know, or when they're talking to, to Anna and Kristoff, rather, and he said, you know, yeah, the, she the first time I met her, she hit me in the face with a rock. That should have been the first sign. Ah. And then he said... Yes, and then you responded by catching me in a net. You're a real Prince Charming. And then Anna was like, yes, you are. He is Prince Charming, and you're Snow White. And those things sound horrible, but you're also very romantic. So if you could just think back to when you were, you know, before the spell when you were in love, you can break this dark. There's just a beat of silence and then so said, Somebody <laughs> please hand me a poison apple and put me out of my misery?
2: <laughs> the sass. Oh, my goodness. Everyone was just, like, it was, like, Mean Girls Storybook Edition. I just loved how everyone, on top of being angry at each other, like, just grew, like, this, like, gigantic capacity for sass. I loved it. Yeah. Everyone was so
1: smart, Alec. (laughs)
2: Mm-hmm. But I think it was interesting exactly what you were saying, because you, you root so much for Snow and Charming. Did you notice, did you guys notice, and I really only kind of thought of it right now, that when, you know, when Charm, well, not so much Charming, because he's only funny with Kristoff, but when Snow and Charming aren't arguing with each other, when they're arguing with other people, it tends to be more serious jabs. When they're arguing with each other, they were like, the phone is out of date and you're swaddling our baby too tightly and (laughs) uh, other, like, really petty things because I feel like because they are, you know, the on the pedestal of perfect fairy tale um, partnership, Mm -hmm. they really, they can find fault in each other, but it's not anything as serious as, you know, charming really making jabs at Kristoff's like, whole way of living with the ice. Like, Brad, that is kind of a, Silly thing for Kristoff, but if you think about it, that is his like, that is his his thing is ice. And then um, the line that Snow gets uh, regarding when she gets right up at Emma or Emma, excuse me, she gets right up in uh, Anna's grill and she's like, "Yeah, I killed the evil queen's mommy, and I said I was sorry, and I didn't mean it." You know, like you watching do if that 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 line is funny but if you really think about it she's saying, "Yeah, I totally murdered the heck out of somebody's mom and I have no remorse for it." Oh, wow.
1: Yeah. Which, that line was man, like devious and great at the same time.
0: It brings up an interesting question, which is was that just the curse talking or was that Snow White telling the truth about something? Um,
2: I wonder that as well.
0: You know, like, was that Snow expressing for once, you know, that she had some genuine anger over Cora and everything else? I mean, I I tend to think that it might be the curse, like or the spell, rather, but it did make me wonder, like, did she really mean that when she said it? Or was it just a situation where we were cursed and I didn't mean it? Um I think it may be a situation where they were just cursed and she didn't mean it, but its it's certainly an interesting thought that Snow White could uh, have killed somebody and not had any remorse for it based on everything that had happened. um
2: I have thoughts on that um what are your th- I was thinking of I was thinking about it when I was writing my uh spoiler t v review that what if that her saying it, because that I think was pretty much the darkest thing she said. Um, what if that is a reflection of the dark spot on her heart that she got for murdering Cora? What if deep, deep, deep down inside, even though she said she was sorry to Regina, there was a part of her that truly wasn't remorseful at all. She felt justified because she was saving everybody. She didn't feel that regret because it hurt, like some weird piece of her mind. She knew that this was, it was the right and just thing to do and this curse what if that brought it out and because and, that was just such a piercing thing for her to say for me and, and, and surrounded by all of the comedy it just it really really sticks out so I'm wondering if that is that dark spot um, in her heart uh, coming out because of the curse
0: gosh I hope not because I want Charming to have the dark spot um that's just a personal Ooh. preference <laughs> i knew I, I just i mean i'm sorry but i've already seen snow white go a little bit dark when she had you know when in season one when she didn't really know charming and remember him and she had the heart of darkness i've already seen that i want charming Fair to enough. have a little bit of i want i want charming to be not so charming i do um i want him to have a darker side we know josh Dallas can play that because the way that he played charming's brother James. Um, Uh in season two with uh, the Jack and the Beanstalk story, I mean, that he can play it. And, you know, the fact that James, you know, and granted, evil isn't born, it's made, you know, James was raised by King George, so that's probably why he was a jerk. The fact of the matter Mm -hmm. is that if he has, like, that personality trait in him, then it's possible Charming does too. And I want to see that come out in Charming just a little bit to see, just to, you know, give him, like I was saying earlier, to give him some more depth. And to give him a little bit more character development and showing that, you know, even, you know, I mean, if if we know that if Snow White can kill people, then, you know, Prince Charming's got to be capable of something bad, too. Now, he has always Uh, been the fix, you know, not giving up in the show. And if he were to stay that way, it's not like I would mind that. I mean, I wouldn't mind it at all. But I just, I would also think that it'd be very interesting to see him get a little bit of sass and attitude himself when he's not cursed. They did kind of hint, you know, a little bit at that in season three when they were in the Enchanted Forest um, in the episode The Tower when he, you know, went into the stables and was drinking out of a, you know, he went to go have a drink out of a flask. Like, you know, hey, Charming, and, you know, he enjoys a shot of whiskey now and again. Okay, cool. So, you know, I would just like to see a little bit more of that just to see what what it would do to make Charming a little bit different. Um, uh-huh. I will say though. I mean having said that and kind of, you know, veering on another direction here, I literally laughed out loud when Snow told Charming that their baby is not a breakfast burrito. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, I had a genuine chuckle over that one. It it completely just cracked me up. I and I don't know if
2: it was the delivery or the the idea, the picture in my head of a baby wrapped in a giant tortilla, but I agree with you. Like that, I that line just kind of jumped out of me because she's like, "It's a baby, not a breakfast burrito." I agree. There's so many great Actually, lines no, like that. Of,
0: it, honestly, it honestly reminded me of when we were in line for um, Comic Con this year, and I was using that aluminum foil
2: blanket, and I wrapped. It <laughs> You're cosplaying as a Chipotle burrito. Yeah, when I was for anybody, of who, for, for anybody who hadn't seen the picture, um, even though it only gets down to about 60 degrees when you're camping out for Ballroom 20 at Comic-Con, it's still kind of cold uh, in relation to everything. So I had bought a like dozen gross of these foil emergency blankets. Like, yes, I will reflect the heat. and be warm. They kind of sucked, but... Zach was sitting there wrapped in one, and we were joking because we're sitting there in the middle of the sidewalk, and people are like, "What you in line for? What's going on?" You know, so we were joking that he was cosplayed as a Chipotle burrito. I I think you kind of had to. Yeah,
0: Yeah, you did kind of have to be there, but it it was—I mean, it was hilarious. just people were genuinely wanting to know; like, they really thought I was dressed up as something, and so we just went with the whole burrito idea because. You know, why not? So, um, it was just, I I just thought it was hilarious, yeah. So, um, <laughs> yeah, but overall, though, I really, I really felt that, you know, Snow and Charming's argument was pretty funny. Um, I agree with what you said that when she said, you know, I killed the evil queen's mom and I didn't really mean it, that that was probably the darkest thing that she said, for sure. Um, so, yeah, um, oh, and I and I will get back to Charming and Snow, too, um, in just a moment, because something happened that I don't know if a lot of people picked up on, but it relates to what you said, Ashley, as far as Charming and Snow and the quality of their arguments, how everybody else was getting really, really wicked with their stuff versus um, Charming and Snow just kind of having more lighthearted hearted you know banter back and forth with each other something happened with those two that i don't know if people picked up on so i'll talk about it in a minute um
2: mm, so the next, i think i know what you're gonna th- mention mm,
0: we'll see so the next mm. thing that i want to talk about is uh emma and elsa's visit to regina <laughs> because that that scene also you know not only moved the story along but it includes some great lines from regina it included some great lines from emma who was surprisingly prickly um when she was down in the vault and she took it to a place that i kind of wasn't expecting her to to be honest um at one point i mean i even tweeted it on twitter i said whoa getting a little heavy with the insults there emma so uh mm-hmm. the first line that i love is when they walk in and they see that regina is dressed up in her evil queen garb evil queen garb that is um emma says whoa a little late for halloween um, the reason why it makes me laugh Is because with the production schedule That they have I am pretty sure that they might have filmed That episode around Halloween
2: so, <laughs> I didn't even think about that
0: Yeah, so that it, it did make me chuckle a little bit But then the next thing that Emma said Was how do you walk in that thing And Regina said with the poise and composure Of a queen And she has her hand on her waist In such a way that I was just like Lana is playing it up like she is uh. full on over the top evil queen mode and I loved it Amy I'm sure you loved it too
1: I did because that was the other thing I told you guys last week that I wanted that curse to hit Lana and have her say something like what the hell am I wearing you know and we talked about that last week and it's exactly what she said I was like oh girl here it comes and she you know got all badass evil queen and she was just Oh, my God, as evil as we have ever seen her. And Emma was really, really sticking it to her. I mean, going over the top trying to get those digs in because obviously, I mean, she needed some mega hate from this woman. But she was fabulous. Oh, she was so fabulous.
0: Well, she did get some mega hate out of her with the next little bit that she said where she said, I wanted you to see me and Hook together and see the happiness you could have never had and ruin it again just like my mother did. Mm, Ooh, like, that was like that Robert. was the line. That was the line where I was like, "Okay, Emma, you're you're going a little bit deep with her girlfriend." Like, I know that you need to to make Regina hate you like she never has before, but whoa, like, did yeah. either one of you a little? Um, that that was a little deep, cutting a little deeper than maybe you were expecting.
1: It was deeper than I expected because I expected the Marion thing. Like I expect her to be like, oh, well, you know what? You're right. I I brought Mary back just to ruin your happy ending. And you know, Henry, I expected her to say something like, well, you know, Henry's my son, so you just have to get over it. And I kind of figured that's where it would lay, but. Boy, when she got into that, you know, bringing up snow and the whole thing that, you know, really engulfed Regina's whole entire being, you know, this desire for vengeance, this hatred for so long, I was like, wow, step back, little Emma. (laughs) And in fact, I tweeted, oh, girl,
2: you better run. (laughs) Well, she was literally playing with fire at that point, so... (laughs) but um it's my goal to get as many puns in this podcast as possible um i i just just to backtrack a touch i loved the evil queen's re-cleaning like her her her, her like you said looking what the hell am i wearing and then poofing into this fabulous outfit and then that, that bit of harpsichord and just saying Oh, I've missed you. And it also kind of makes me wonder, like, deep down, does Regina, as as good as she wants to be, does she kind of miss being the Evil Queen just a little bit? But I agree with both of you. That, I wasn't expecting Emma to go as far as she did uh, to get Regina to hate her. Like you guys said, there was mega hate needed. But like we saw when Regina was first um, reintroduced being in her vault the first thing she thinks of is, oh, it's a savior. The savior trapped me. The savior did. Just... I don't know how hard Emma had to try to get Regina to hate her, because it seemed like she hated her. Right? <laughs> there, was some, there was some hate flowing through you. Um, that was a really crap Star Wars reference. Uh, Star Wars, reference. Wars yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, um... <laughs> but... but I don't think that she... I. I mean... I don't think she needed to have that much hate, because she, like, was, I I kind of want to see a bit of a resolution between the two for that, you know, just because she really did not pull a single punch. And then she ran off, and I don't think Regina saw her for the rest of the curse.
1: Yeah. And then Regina yells after her, you know, the swan, swan instead of Paul. yeah. Like, from
2: Star else... Trek.
0: Okay. Yes, when she said that, the first thing I thought of was, Come
2: on. <laughs> yeah. I thought she said, run! I thought it was Emma screaming, run! Oh, because she knew she was in trouble. Because I didn't, I you know, I, I don't watch with the closed captions on because they annoy the heck out of me. So I heard run at first, but I like that she shouted swan more. Fabulous.
0: Yeah, I loved it. I mean they're right there, like I was like, ooh, that's that's very <laughs> um, <laughs> that's very uh that yeah, that was that was good. It was good stuff. I enjoyed it. Um and I and it especially kind of like did... the fact
1: mm? Oh
2: no, go ahead, sorry. I was just the thing kinda lighten the mood a bit too, um, from you know, Emma saying those that, that that jab, it kind of lightened it up a bit. Um from after her, you know, laying it on as thick as she did on Regina.
0: Hmm. Mm. I really also enjoyed the fact that Emma got to have a little bit of magic come into play and sent Regina flying against the wall. <laughs> because, honestly, they're still a part of me, as much as I love Regina and as much as I love what they've done with their character, don't get me wrong, evil regals, Amy, nobody, don't get me wrong here, but... <laughs> still a part of me that wants Emma to just let her have it as far as all of this is your fault. Like, Mm. you are the reason why I grew up without my parents. You are the reason that we are all here. You are the reason. You are the reason you suck. You're evil. Like, part of me wants it to happen. And granted, I know that if Regina hadn't done what she had done, then Henry wouldn't be around and everything else. And obviously, I love Henry, so I would want him around. However, It does not negate the fact that Regina has done a horrible thing and, as of yet, has not received her comeuppance. Somebody needs to give her her comeuppance. And I want it to be Emma, just because I feel like Emma is the one person who could really dish it out to Regina and it would shut Regina up. Because she normally tends to have some kind of comeback or some kind of quip for anybody who calls her on her crap, except for Emma. So... I just feel that it should be Emma. because She's the one person that she can't say, oh, well, you know, you're a horrible person. You do this, blah, blah, blah. She robbed Emma of a lot of things. And, yeah, that's just how I feel. So that's just how I feel. Um, <laughs> but, but, yeah, overall, I thought that that was fantastic. And, of course, that whole confrontation led to Regina getting out of her vault, which led to her going to the sheriff's station looking for Emma which led
2: to the greatest the best thing ever cat fight i
0: have ever witnessed on television
2: you could yeah. even call that a cat all well, the time out you can't call that a cat fight they were throwing each other over <laughs> furniture <There laughs> that was, was like no, an mma was, beat down <laughs> yeah there was no there was no scratching there were like elbow drops you cannot call that a cat fight <laughs> okay
0: okay that is a valid point i re- i withdraw my comment from court however um <laughs>
2: I'll allow it.
1: The same. Okay,
0: thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, but, yeah, um, that sword fight, well, first of all, when Snow told Regina, you know, when she's like, what, you going to use your, your magic, Regina? It's ready to get your hands dirty. And she was like, I don't need to use magic against you. I want to see you bleed. And then just, you know, and what I also love, too, was the fact that Snow's blade was a normal silver and Regina's blade was black.
1: Yeah, it. it.
0: Oh
2: yes, I did,
0: darling. Jadore, it. um, Jadore, dear. Um, somebody called Charlie's <laughs> Theron. Okay, so mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I thought that, that was fantastic. I I I thought it was great. Um, because it was just a good juxtaposition of of who they are. I mean, really, Snow White and you know, Snow White was against the black blade, and her blade was still
2: and yeah. I love, the I love that they the broke the them with everything
1: in the sheriff's too. station. Yeah, the sheriff station is going to need uh, Geppetto to come on over and give it a refurb after that, because they tore that place up. And their dialogue while they were beating the crap out of each other was fantastic. I mean, Regina's talking about how she sold her out and, you know, Snow's like, I was I was 10! She's like, you know, going, I'm just, just years and years of all this pen up stuff. so funny.
2: Well, don't wake my baby! <laughs> <Don't lick mine! laughs> you know,
0: I'm,
1: sure,
0: I'm sure that there are a number of parents who have felt that way whenever somebody gets around their child and they're asleep. I'm, I'm yes. sure. <laughs>
1: Not,
0: maybe not to the level that they're, you know, going to go throwing somebody over a desk and through a, a glass door and You've obviously edit. never
2: lived in St. Louis. Uh
0: This is true. No, I have I stories from, I have stories from the bus.
2: I used to ride the city bus by the um down by the dome during hockey days. And it was just shenanigans.
0: Down by the day, down by the bay, where the watermelons grow. Back to your home, you mm-hmm. dare not go. Um, yeah, there. I the whole fight was fantastic. Like it was so, and honestly, it was really nice to see these two girls like deck it out. Well, these two women, rather, deck it out because honestly, Snow needed to get some licks. Like Regina, she's had it coming for, like, you know, and, and as far as Snow is concerned. She's had it coming for like 50 years. So, (laughs) she, you know, I mean, she, she, maybe that's, you know what, maybe that was the comeuppance that I want so badly for Emma to give to her. Snow gave it to her instead. And really, Snow has much more of a beef with her than anyone else does. I enjoyed it. You know, it was, it was, it was hilarious, though. It really did remind me of like Dynasty, um, you know, Jungle, like the. Just
2: um, shoulder plates, shoulder yeah, pads
0: you know, you know, Yeah, huge you know shoulder pads I mean you know I mean not even those weren't even shoulder pads those were shoulder spikes like really um, it was just fantastic Eduardo Castro can you please make me clothes I don't want to wear anything yeah. like what the scene is wearing but can you please just come and like adorn something with some fabulous ornate fabulousness um, because seriously, dude, like, everybody in the costume department, like, I love you. Please make my wedding Fabulous. Um, I
1: know. <laughs> make me evil, please, Eduardo. <laughs> Trust no, me, like, evil.
0: I would love to see what Eduardo Castro could do with some wedding attire, like, in the
2: oh
0: Like, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, if I could get that man to make me my tux for that wedding, I'm, pr- like, I would. I would like. He would be like. Forget all these fancy designers. I want. I want a Castro original. That's what I want. Mm-hmm. Um, he's just amazing. I love him. And you know the whole thing with Snow and Regina, um, you know, and their conflict and everything, as well as everything else that was going on with the, you know, spell of shattered sight, is really just a reflection of conflicts with loved ones, loved ones and how to resolve it, which conveniently enough is what our reflection segment is about this week. Um, Everybody, you know, we all in our lives have people that we love, whether they are relatives or significant others or family members or, you know, friends. Um, You know, we all have people in our lives that we really love, but once in a while some pretty heavy-handed conflict can come into play. And, you know, it can really be a challenge to find some resolution in those situations, particularly with, you know, family members or significant others or friends. Um, I mean, it happens with coworkers, but they generally tend to not have the same meaning to you as, you know, the other groups of people do. So, um, Uh. you know, when stuff like that arises, you know, I mean, I've seen, I mean, just to my own personal experience, I have seen, you know, family members not speaking to each other for, you know, years, actually. Um, Having there be problems with their family gatherings where, you know, people, you know, they have to time it differently so that one person isn't at the event when the other person is there. You know, I've seen the same thing kind of happen with friendships, um, you know, people who are, you know, formerly married, now divorced, that kind of thing. It's a really interesting situation to be in, really heartbreaking actually because you know nobody wants to end up in that situation with anybody and you know resolving it and you know because a lot lot of times it can go a little bit more personal you start to see more and more of the negative aspects of somebody and it just starts to take on almost like a poisonous kind of feeling like it's a it's a poison that really invades your heart and soul towards this person if you let it which is basically Uh what happened with it happened with Regina and Snow. You know what I mean. So mm-hmm. when that happens, being able to move past those issues and kind of get some resolution, and you know, even if you may not be able to forget what happened, at least try to you know forgive them and move on. You know, I think that's a challenge that everybody faces in life. Um, and I would now like to invite Ashley. If you have any. Um anything you want to touch on with that subject while we're in this segment, please, you know, speak speak your uh, oh, your sure. thoughts on.
2: Well, I feel like time heal these things. Um personally for me, um, I know if I'm too close to a situation or conflict, I'm I'm not thinking straight. I'm not thinking logically, I'm too emotional. Particularly if it's somebody I love who is involved. Um, and I, I think that's kind of what we saw in the episode when basically the, what the spell did was kind of dropped everybody back to square one. Do you know what I mean? Like every everything was fresh and new, and so everyone was feeling that hatred surge through them. And like we saw, it was Regina and Snow White bringing up things that happened, what, third... Over thirty years ago, bringing them up like they' had happened yesterday, whereas um just an episode a couple of episodes before they had had the time to really think about you know what was going on between them, what had happened in the past, and you know their mistakes, and talk about it they things weren't so raw and new; they had made peace individually so now they're able to come together and speak more freely about things so i think honestly with when you have a conflict with a loved one and i i I personally think the best way to resolve it is to just take a step back for a moment because you don't want to say anything in the heat of the moment you don't want to lash out because you're so emotionally charged um so yeah those are my thoughts
0: Amy, what
2: about you? I agree,
1: and I I don't know about you guys, but I'm really hot and quick-tempered, and I'm fully aware of that about myself, that I need to, when I get instantly mad, I need to just shut my mouth, no matter how hurt I am. Because once something's out, I mean, I don't know if you've heard the saying before, I mean, it's like toothpaste, once it's out you can't really shove it back in the tube like it's out there and I mean I I think that you're right time is a huge factor because when things are right there on top and it's fresh and new I mean it's it's like even seeing the person talking to the person is constantly like ripping the scab off of a fresh wound it's something that you have to have time but I feel like as far as with my personal experience that after some time had gone by that with experiences I had, the forgiveness was almost more for me than for the person I was having conflict with. Like I felt like obviously I couldn't forget, but if I could not let go and forgive that person, that it was just going to continue to eat me up inside. It was probably, you know, affecting me more than them. And when I was finally able to forgive somebody, I I felt like physically different, like it was not like really just eats away at you. So, I mean, I think it's hard. It's, It's hard to be in a situation where there's conflict, especially with someone that you love. But I... I, I can definitely see how they tried to bring that in and incorporated it with this Shattered Sight spell this week. And I loved that when the spell was broken, Regina and Snow were, like, laughing together, you know, because if things were okay, the only thing that was missing for me from that scene was I wish that they had hugged because I feel like they're yes. almost at that point.
0: Yes. That That is exactly, I feel the same way. That's the one thing that I wanted from that scene. I love the fact that they were laughing, but I wanted them to hug it out at the end. I really did. I wanted them uh-huh. to be laughing. I really was expecting there to be a couple more shots where Snow looks at Regina and they kind of stop laughing, and then Regina is laughing and she looks at Snow and she kind of stops, and then they just kind of go to each other and hug. Um, uh-huh. That's kind of what I thought was happening. Um that's pretty much it for our reflection segment, just kind of reflecting on our own lives here. But it also brings me to the point that I had mentioned earlier between Snow and Charming and the thing that happened that I don't know if a lot of people picked up on. Even though the two of them were arguing with each other and, you know, jabbing each other and kind of seeing the in each other, when okay. Snow and Regina were fighting and uh-huh. uh, uh, Snow was up against Charming's cell wall and she had Regina kind of... In front of her, it was Charming who helped get Regina's blade and she and had her drop the sword. It was because yes. of his interference that that happened. So mm-hmm. even though the he two of no. fighting each other, he was still there for his wife. Yeah, and
1: I did that, notice that.
0: Yeah, that was the thing that I noticed. I was like, okay, so even though these two are really going at it, I mean, not really too hard, but you know. He helped. He helped her in her time of need, even when they were fighting with each other. He's he still had her back, and I really, really, I mean, I was just like, that is so indicative of the fact that they are really, you know, I mean, they're soulmates. They're total, you uh-huh. know, true love. Sit so there and fight with each other, and that's fine. But as soon as somebody was going for one of them, the other one. You know had their back and- and it was not a situation where charming was sitting there you know going after snow while Regina was going after her he uh-huh. so he was there for her. I really loved that um I think that that's really indicative of how successful relationships can operate as well, where if somebody is attacking the other person, you still you know try to have their back in some way um,
1: uh-huh. even
0: if you're you know completely pissed off at them, to be honest, or if you, you know, yeah, however you're feeling towards them, the fact that you would still have the other person's back, I think was pretty, pretty significant. So Ashley was right. I right about what you were thinking.
2: Well, I was actually partially, because I was thinking about that, but I was also thinking the fact that as soon as bouncing baby Neil was threatened, Charming totally stopped, you know, taking his jabs at Snow, and then did help out with Regina. So they also, I was thinking more that they were were uh, united over their common love for the baby as well.
0: Which is an excellent point. You're here. Um, I didn't really think about that to be honest, but he just said it. So, you know, this is why we have the podcast. So we can point these things out to each other. Um, that's a really good, that's a really good point. I like, I like that. It's very, it's very in line with their characters. It's really, it's exactly how parents would be, even if they're arguing, they still come together. Oh, Ashley, I love your point of view so much. Okay. So, um. Thank you. So, yeah, I think that's, that's a great point. Okay. Um, so now we're going to get into, um. Some of the more heavy-handed stuff, because all the things we've been talking about so far have been more uh, white-hearted, shall we say? Uh-huh. Oh. Uh, oh. <laughs> so the first thing I want to talk about is Ingrid and Emma's past.
2: Oh. Um, oh, my God. Okay, first I was of so all, conflicted. When,
0: when she... When Emma, when young Emma was going to run away out of the home and Ingrid was waiting for her downstairs, drinking cocoa, by the way.
2: Oh, um, no.
0: <laughs> and Emma was going to go and she said, it's too. It's so unfortunate that you have to leave when Kevin is so afraid of spiders. Spiders of any kind, especially since I have a bag of fake spiders in my desk drawer on the right. Um <laughs>
2: Basically, behind the safe
0: house, here. Basic, <laughs> but it was because it was basically her saying, "Oh, by the way, here's how you can have your revenge. Just go to my desk drawer, and you can totally get it." Um, and honestly, too, when she was talking about you know Kevin and his fear of spiders, don't we all know somebody who is afraid of spiders? I know I do. <clears throat> uh
2: that, Dad, no, I am the person who is afraid of mean. spiders. <laughs>
1: yeah, I'll be your person too. <laughs> I don't do anything with that many licks. <sighs>
0: I'm not touching that one. Um, so, I'm... <laughs> oh.
1: Hello. <laughs> um,
0: yeah, so... <sighs> oh, my God. Okay. Okay, we're steering this in a new direction. Yeah, so Kevin's afraid of spiders, and Ingrid and Emma are sitting there having a conversation, and they're you know, they're kind of bonding and everything. And then um, they go to the, I mean, what is it, like the fair? Uh, the boardwalk. Carnival, right? A carnival, something like that. Mm. And they're, you know, they go to the machine. They go to the claw. The claw.
2: Ooh. The claw who will go and who will stay. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: yeah, there's that. So I love the fact. Okay, number one, little Easter egg for all of us: the fact that Emma was trying to grab a Dalmatian out of the machine. I know we all Mm -hmm. know that. Yes. I love that part of it, but then also, you know, the fact that once again Emma did something that caused electricity. Like, you know, when Emma, whenever, when Emma, yeah, that's that's a new verb for you, when Emma. Um, whenever Emma gets really emotionally involved in our world so far, she has been shown to short out electricity, whether it was when she was having Henry or when she first arrived in Storybrooke. And now we see this from her past. Um, you know, Emma, Emma has a thing. Oh, isn't it so funny that Emma has a thing with playing with power? <clears throat> we all yeah. noticing the nice symbols. Um, so, yeah, I thought that, that was really fantastic. And then honestly, though, it was so sad when she looked down and thought that she was being given away, and then Ingrid's like, no, I'm trying to adopt you. And then Emma says, I love you. And Ingrid said, I love you, too. Oh.
1: Yes. Yeah. That was
2: a heart-squishing moment right there. Well, for me, the entire – all of this, I was I felt so conflicted because – I had spent, you know, the better part of the season being like, "Oh, look at the psychopath with the snow powers." Like, just like <laughs> she's so evil and like crazy. I love the crazy. And then we we see this side of her where she's unafraid, she's comfortable uh, her she meaning the snow queen, and she's able to really talk to somebody that she sees that she has a lot of commonalities with. And it's like it's the Snow Queen always plays it cool. If you catch my my snowdrift there, uh-huh. <laughs> um, that was just awful. I should just hang up now. That, I apologize for the <laughs> double pun. That anyway, um, but you but you get what I'm saying. She's always very subdued in Storybrooke. But it and this is an unintentional pun. But I don't know how else to say it. It's always a cold fury with her. Like she's always holding herself in check. There was genuine warmth when she was with Emma, like the whole scene, well, well, first off, she was drinking cocoa, which is a hot drink, but also just, she was playful. She was using that side of her that's kind of not, I want to say manipulative, well, but yeah, I guess it is, that manipulative side, that kind of twisting the words and getting to think a certain way. She was using that in a playful manner, like, oh, yeah, well, you know, there's spiders and wouldn't even dream of having him go into my desk and grab them and totally torture this kid. But you know what? Whatever. You know, I have more cocoa for me. It's just I was just so conflicted because I'm like, this is what could have been. I. Uh-huh. And and thinking about how it wasn't like that just, if I don't I don't know. Like I know obviously the Snow Queen didn't. She had the best intentions, but not the best methods. But thinking hmm. about how she acted with Emma, because I do think at that point, maybe not initially, but at that point in the fair, I really do think she had grown to love Emma for Emma, not just because Emma was part of the prophecy. So it really kind of kills me that it, it didn't work out for them. Yeah. I mean, good that it didn't because she found, Emma found Storybrooke and she found Snow and Charming and, and Henry. But at the same time, we got this window into what could have been, and, and what was, and, and what was no longer, and that's that's where I, I just I watch it, and like it gave me the warm fuzzies, and it instantly killed it because I was like, but this this is this isn't the thing. It's I don't. It's really hard for me to explain. Like I don't know. Like, I make my cross clear. Are you guys picking up what I'm putting down? Yeah, yeah. No, I totally You're, understand.
0: The cubes are floating, babe. I feel you. Okay. The cubes are floating. Um, yep. I went there. Um, <laughs> I know what you're saying. though, like, because I agree. Like, the whole time I was really thinking to myself, oh, Ingrid is just, you know, she's, yeah, you know, we've all talked about it. She's crazy as a bag of cats, especially when she told Rumple that she wanted to decorate, you know, his her cave with his bones. You know, she kind of was just a little bit nutso. But then here you see her being really maternal. And honestly, if you think about it, like, if she, like, let's think about this for a second. If Ingrid never went to a dance as a kid, she always kept herself away from everything and everyone, then she has never had any romance in her life whatsoever or the chance of raising a family. And so on that level, it's really subtle if you think about it, but the fact that she is a foster mom, she was giving herself something that she's never had before. And wanting to adopt Emma was doing the same thing, even though it was supposed to be, you know, like a sisterly thing. Mm
1: -hmm. It was
0: still an opportunity for her to have a family, and she had never been given that opportunity before.
1: It was a chance for her to not be a lost girl anymore. And she almost had it. She almost, I mean, she said it herself, she loved Ingrid. And in modern storybook, you know, we kept seeing Emma saying, you know, she would never love this woman. But when we got to see the flashbacks, she really did. And you could tell, you know, Ingrid wasn't faking it. She genuinely loved Emma too. And if she hadn't, you know, made that mistake of pulling Emma out, you know, in front of the car trying to show her that she was special, that she had powers, like that, you know, that could have been their family.
0: Yeah, and everything could have gone in a completely different direction. Ashley, mm-hmm. you're silent.
2: I am because I'm like kind of like knocked away. Like I've I've got a look I gotta say it here just Thinking that that whole business with the fact that, you know, you're right, Ingrid, the Snow Queen, never had a lot of things. And then she found them with Emma. And the same thing with Emma. Emma didn't have a family until she had the Snow Queen. And it just wasn't, Mm -hmm. I guess it just wasn't meant to be. And it, not thinking about it now even more, it makes that very just emotional, particularly. Everything at the end, the resolution to the Snow Queen story.
1: Because
2: at that point, I mean, they
1: both had love, and then they were both suddenly alone again. This was like when I started tearing up in my recap, because I was like, whoa, it was like hitting me how deep this was, the relationship between them in the the past, and then what happened in in modern-day Storybrooke. Like
2: they had yeah, it all, they, and, and they
0: yeah, had and nothing. And they, they, and again, the whole thing, they are mirrors of each other. Uh-huh. Again, like every, all of it is mirrors. Everything is mirrors with the show. Mirrors and reflections. Um, and speaking of the Snow Queen's um, ending, the end of her story, let's discuss that, because. Oh my gosh! When okay, so after you know Anna and Kristoff end up at the beach and Anna knocks them out, and there was some more comedy going on there. She realizes that the bottle she knocked them out with has a letter in it, and then she reads the letter. And only when she runs into the cave do we find out what it said. And uh, that that scene where Anna is reading the letter and the reaction of the Snow Queen of Ingrid. Oh, my gosh.
1: Not what I thought was in the bottle. I will tell you that. That is one of the things that surprised me, I mean, happily surprised me and also made me cry. But I thought for sure the bottle had, you know, some other resolution to break the curse or something like that. I definitely didn't think it was what it was. Neither did I. And when she read it, ugh.
0: Yeah, when she read it aloud, oh, the look on the the, the screen, like, the tears that were coming, and, like, she was so, like, really taken aback and emotionally overwhelmed to the point that she had to accuse Anna of being a liar. And the way that she was saying, you lie, my sister hated me, she called me a monster and put me in that urn. You could mm-hmm. see it, you could hear it, and you could really feel her pain at that situation. It was amazing. That and that scene yes. right there, that that was the scene why Elizabeth Mitchell needs an Emmy Pronto.
2: Yes, no, that scene definitely, like when, when you like you said, when she really kind of loses it and she's just screaming at Anna and it's just there's so much because you know, like, we, she always plays it very, and up until that point, she had played it very cool, and she was just like, "Okay, you know, these are your memories, et cetera. But seeing her when she loses control like that is just—it was—it was, it was kind of scary. Even like when she, when she—I don't know, she, she, smacked Anna or what she did, but I really thought she like killed the girl for a second. I was like, "Oh, I didn't realize we were gonna go there." I mean, you know, that's how. That's how intense she was and
0: oh Oh, on that note you know what i was expecting i thought when she had done that i was expecting anna to start freezing again like she did in the movie
2: oh yeah that's what
0: i I thought that she was going to turn i thought that she was basically doing the same thing to anna that she had done to
2: to helga
0: but that you know, some act of true love again with Elsa would unfreeze her again. And I kind of thought that's where they were going with it. And I'm glad that they didn't because the aftermath of that, when she grabs the letter and reads it herself falls to her knees and is just like, Oh, Gerda. And then she's like, what have I done? I have to reverse this. Oh my God. Like, you can see you that moment the where the weight, the weight, lifted, like the like the ice melt, like that act of true love melted her frozen heart. Oh my good gravy! Okay, yeah. brainwave, brainwave. So, uh-huh. yeah, I just thought that it was, it was, it was just. Oh, it was such a great moment. And then when she walks away and she's like, I have to undo this. And, you know, she brings, you know, whatever she brought down around herself. Ice, mirror, a mix of the two things. I think it was things. The mirror. I
2: think she was recalling all the mirror shards from everyone's eyes is what it was.
0: Yeah, I kind no, of... That's how I, th- I saw it. Yeah, I kind of wondered whether or not it was, like, just ice that was built up in the cave or if it was, like, part of the shattered, cur- or shattered sight spell like, that was still, like, kind of hovering around the caves that she was bringing back around her, but, yeah, she brings it all around, and, you know, she tells, you know, Emma and, and Elsa that they deserve their memories, and she gives them their memories back, and then she says how, you know, the three of them are so special and to never forget it, and that, you know, Emma, a long time ago, a prophecy said that she would lead her to her sisters, and that's what she has now, and, All she ever wanted was the love of her sisters, and she has that, and now she can join them.
2: Oh. Oh, my God. Uh, You make me cry, me. Put a fork in me. I'm done. I'm done. Well, I think it's
0: very interesting, too. Oh, my God, the music. Okay, yeah,
1: well, the
2: music. Oh, the music music. music.
0: Oh, Mark I, uh, I think we really all
2: re- I think we all remarked about it on Twitter that we were all blown away by the music in that scene. Like there better be a season four really soundtrack. Here, here's what made
0: it different. This was the first. This is one of the first times where Mark Isham used a choir instead uh. of strings or the, or instruments to get that across. Like the
1: whole,
0: like it was almost like yeah. It re- you know what also reminded me of, and I'm glad I just did the. Ooh, it reminded me of the music that opens and closes Titanic. Like, you know what I'm talking yeah. about?
1: Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean?
0: just mm-hmm. Since like Titanic, you know, icebergs, ice, you know, ice ahead. Okay, oh. Are we all on the same. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So that, but yeah, the the, the fact that it was more choral than instrumental was what did it. And mm-hmm. then the flashback, like after she basically like dissolves. And then you see the flashback to the three of them holding hands. It was almost like uh, the three of them were Oh, my God. Yeah.
1: I'm like, well, someone and- just knocked me in the head right now. Oh, my God. that I, I almost expected that picture, but when they showed it on the screen and the three of them were, you know, holding hands and skipping and, like, that's exactly all she ever wanted. I mean, in, in the end, yes, she sacrificed herself, But she was also saved by, you know, love and that, you know, she got to be with her sisters again and that's for years and years, you know, that's all she wanted. And then we got to see them together. I was like, oh,
2: miss, miss. Well, and that was the line that really stuck out to me from uh, Gerda's letter was, that she, you know, she had said all she said all she wanted to do, you know, she hoped one day to, you know, to hold her sister's hand again, because that was their thing, was the hand-holding. Mm-hmm. And when, you know, when Gerda was, or was well, right before she put uh, Ingrid into the urn, Ingrid's like, take my hand, take, you know, hold my hand, you know, make, help me, mm-hmm. tell me you're, we're okay. And she, and she refused. Yeah, and she would not hold her hand. So the fact that at the very end, as you were saying, you see the three sisters in their younger versions holding hands, finally, you know, they they finally are getting their happy ending. And I do think it's a bit interesting that, um, it, and correct me if I'm wrong, if I'm really, you know, exaggerating here, but is this the first, like, big baddie villain that... ...took themselves out that that realized that they, in order to win, they had to lose almost. Like the self-sacrifice thing. I don't recall, and Rubble doesn't count because it was Peter Pan who was the bad guy in season 3A. But Uh I don't really recall a villain who willingly saw the error of their way, a, a new villain, willingly saw the error of their ways and stepped down. And even our, our quote unquote villains, uh, if you want to call them that, Regina and Rumple. more so Regina than Rumpel, considering how delightful he's been this season. Um, mm-hmm. It took a lot to show her the, how, you know, the error of her ways and for her to, quote-unquote, like, lose. She still doesn't consider herself to have her happy ending. Ingrid has her happy ending, and she also... I, I, I feel like I'm going in a couple different directions at the same time, so I really need to narrow it down, but the villain got her happy ending as well as willingly made a sacrifice to end what was her threat that she sent out. And I feel like this is the first time we've seen either of those things really happen with, in the show. Uh, am, Am I, am I, am I too generalizing? Am I reaching here? Help me out guys.
1: No, I think this was the first definite redemption and sacrifice. I mean, I think you're, you're right. That's, you know, really, you know, she got saved by, her sisters love but exactly what you said I love that phrase she had to lose you know her life and still sacrifice to get back you know what she wanted with her sisters but she was so okay with it it wasn't she was like happy that she finally got to be with her sisters again so she's you know giving up her life but at the same time she knows she's going to this better place where they're all three going to be together. So I think I mean, I, I think you're definitely on the right track there.
0: Yeah, this was the first I mean, you know, with there was no sacrifice and redemption with Zelina. There was no sacrifice and redemption with Peter Pan. There was no real mm-hmm. redemption for Cora. She was just a horrible person all the way to the end. So, well, this, not not
2: all the way to the end. She had her heart in for like five seconds, smiled, and then she yeah. did. She had five good
1: seconds.
0: Yeah, five good seconds after a lifetime of wickedness. Um, mm-hmm. No, so I, I don't know how you feel about Cora, Cesar, but no. Um, She's so No,
1: safe.
0: <laughs> she she is a horrible person, and you know, Ding Dong is dead. So, um, yes. I mean that that's pretty much it. So, um, yeah, this was the first time that there was an arc that really, you know, that had not only, like, that had real emotional weight to it, and it also came organically from the story. Like, it it just made a lot of sense. I I loved it. I thought it was amazing. And then, of course, that led to the snow breaking. And as we already mentioned, Emma and – Snow and Regina started laughing, and the dwarves stopped trying to kill each other, and Doc stopped trying to kill Granny, because, you know, I don't know if the two of you saw that, but that was hilarious.
2: Yeah, and then... of course I saw that. Granny <laughs> was on the screen. Of course I was like, zoom.
0: <laughs> yeah, and then yeah. um and then the, that great shot of Jeffrey Kaiser as Dopey walking across the screen with his tongue out trying to catch snowflakes, which was so adorable, really. Yeah. Um, I loved I, it. So cute. I loved it. Yeah, and I just want to say, too, Oh, oh, well, okay, yeah, we'll talk about that. So um, there was a deleted scene that was released this week on Good Morning America where Regina confronts the Snow Queen in Storybrooke of the Past, and Dopey is in there tied up. And she, the, after Regina leaves, the Snow Queen calls him Dopey and says that, you know, his evil queen, you know, is, you know, whatever she said about the evil queen. But she basically talks to him about the fact that they're cursed, and Dopey is aware of the fact that they're cursed.
1: Mm -hmm. He knew.
0: He wasn't cursed. And he
1: says, but you're the mute one, aren't you? Yeah.
0: Yes. So what I love about that is the fact that Dopey was never cursed at all, that he knew who they were the whole time and just kind of rolled with the punches because he's just kind of a happy-go-lucky guy like that. He just goes Mm -hmm. with whatever. But I also, and I I mentioned this, you know, privately, and I said it on Twitter too, Dopey is like the R2D2 of Once Upon a Time. <laughs> because. Yeah. He is. For anybody who doesn't know about Star Wars, basically, R2D2 is there from the beginning, and he's the only person who knows the full story of all six episodes that have been released so far. He's the only and one. He it
2: to himself. Oh, wow. He's oh, my God.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it's not even. So, and Dopey is so innocent and childlike that. I don't even think, like, he thinks in that way, like, oh, we're you know, we're cursed, we have to tell people. I think he's just going with the flow because, you know, okay, this is where my family went. We're in a new place now. So he was not cursed. So even before Rumpel realized it, uh, Regina and Dopey, two, like, total opposites, are the only two people in Storybrooke during that first curse who – realized they were even in a different place and I love that there are so many great things they could do with that I wish they had kept that scene then
2: yeah
0: I don't know where it would have gone because in the momentum of everything it didn't really like I was wondering how would you cut that into the episode like like because then that would have mean that there had to be a scene where Dopey went in and he knew that they were cursed and she would have had to tie him up and and Regina would have had a reason to go into the ice cream parlor. Like, there were so many scenes that they would have had to keep included in order to make that one happen that I get why it was cut. But I'm glad that yeah. they showed it to us because it does show the fact that Dopey knew they were cursed the whole time and just right. never said anything to anybody. I love and it. And Shattered Sight
1: curse didn't affect him either. Did you notice?
0: Yeah, like, see, Dopey is uncursable, so...
2: That would be interesting for later on.
1: Yes.
0: yes. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Well So I love that. And then of course at the very end we see, you know, that Belle was asleep in the pawn shop the whole time, you know, like you do.
2: And <laughs> nice, Rumpel will. was
0: just, and uh, yeah, the yeah, the Belladrill, if you will. And then um Rumpel the was just standing there watching her sleep <laughs> Rumpel was just standing there watching her sleep, like you do. And then Hook oh. comes in. And they talk about the fact that, you know, he needs to enjoy this last snowfall because it's going to be his last. And, you know, Emma and everybody else has nothing to fear from Rumpel, but he can't make the same promise for the rest of the world. Because apparently Rumpel is now going all Lex like Luthor on us um, uh. and wants to take over the world. Um don't know where that came from. But, yeah, R- Rumple is going to go try and take over, you know, he's going to do the same thing they do every night, Pinky, try to take over the world. And, um uh, which I don't understand. I really don't understand that. But we're pretty much at the end of the episode. We need to wrap it up soon. So uh I want to get to the promo to end all promos. And, oh, my God, I'm so excited. I can't even get paid anymore. Uh, okay.
2: See you well, the I'm pretty okay. sure... Yeah, I'm pretty sure I, I texted you and I was like, no spoilers, but you need to call me at the end of this episode.
0: Yes, <laughs> you yeah, did because um, in that promo course that we see that you know the frozen storyline is coming to an end and you know uh, uh, Elsa and Kristoff and Anna are going to be walking through the Apprentice's lovely door that will return them back to Arendelle, and. So that they can restore the memories of Helga and Ingrid to the people of Arendelle. Okay, that's awesome. I think that's great. Yay for Arendelle. But even better for all of the rest of us. Because it means that Cruella DeVille and Maleficent and Ursula are coming to the show. And I'm losing my mind right now. My voice is going up i And it's totally fine because I can't wait for them to come to the show. That promo was amazing. And I can't wait to see what they're going to do. And Maleficent has her horns back. And Corella is all evil. And she wears this fabulous outfit with this huge shoulder pad thing going on. And Ursula is there with
1: a the
2: Freeze.
1: Ugh, and the hair. Oh my God, so much evil. So I, I want to see the outfits. Oh my God, you know they're gonna be epic. I I I need next week's episode so bad.
2: I am excited to see the how. Like how? Why? How did you? Why? Why now? What decided? What? 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 The who? Went, where? I went. That's what I'm excited for. I also want to remark. I'm liking, um, I mean, we've already seen Melissa on the show, and like uh, I believe you said at the beginning of the podcast, Zach, she's taking a more Maleficent, the film, take on her look, which I'm not sure how I feel about that, because it is closer to the Disney version, but at the same time, I liked her look in season one, so uh, it, it's up in the air for me, I'll have to, you know, we'll, we'll see for that, but... It I'm liking horns. the look. Horn. Well, it was, yeah, she had the horns. We're very, we're very excited about that. But I am, um, I I am not being able to speak because I'm still thinking about that fantastic promo. But I am really loving the looks of both Ursula and Corella, particularly Corella's look. Though it is very close to what we traditionally expect for Corella. Seeing it in motion in the promo as opposed to like a cell phone picture from like two hundred yards away on set or whatever it moving in it it looks good, like things look how yes, so mm. more of that um and then Ursula like i mean i as as much as I would love to see that Nicole Brown back in the role, I understand there's reasons why that's not possible. I'm loving Ursula's look as well. So I just, I think, just, and here's the other thing. We know that they're coming. We don't know, again, we don't know anything else other than that. We have no idea what's happening next. And that, I think, is the most exciting thing of all, the potential.
1: No doubt. No doubt. I can't. I just think it's going to be a hot, evil mess, and I can't wait to see it. All three of them together. I keep thinking that the, that episode after next week is called like "Darkness at the Edge of Town." I keep thinking of that Elton John song, "Club at the End of the Street," and I'm thinking of like you know this rave techno nightclub with with them hanging out together because. I don't know, and I noticed too. Did you see in the promo they're calling all three of them queens? Like Cruella must have had some kingdom in the enchanted forest, and She's obviously the queen of fashion. There. That's what it
2: is. Fashion, she darling. <laughs> Edna Mode,
1: yes. Oh, Ursula, so fabulous! So I can't I wait to see it.
2: Two. but
0: I have a theory about that. So, I think that because in the promo they show Belle getting kidnapped. Because, you know, that's what Belle does. And um, so, yeah, they show Belle getting kidnapped. And I'm pretty sure that that scene where Cruella is saying, we will be the Victors," I'm pretty sure that she's saying that to Belle in their, like, evil lair where all the birds were flying over by the ocean. I'm pretty sure all those shots are interrelated. Um, Because, number one, you see the shot of Belle wearing her Enchanted Forest hoodie and, or cloak, rather, whatever you want to call it. It's green. And she opens a tent to see a Dalmatian.
2: Uh And
0: then later on, you see her wearing the same clothing when she gets kidnapped. Mm. So I think that, you know, Cruella is kidnapping Belle. And their press release said that there's going to be intrusion during Belle's stay at Rumpel's Castle that causes a huge thing, both in the (laughs) past and in the present.
2: Her. Hmm. That, that I think, Yeah, I I, I want to see how that's going to play out. Like, do you think that the intrusion in the past, like the past kidnapping of Belle, resulted in her not being there in Storybrooke in the future? Perhaps. Hmm. Like she fades away because of some sort I of evil no, shenanigans.
0: Yeah, I have no theories. I have no theories on this one.
2: Me either.
1: I feel like I need to see next week's episode to even start to develop my uh, evil trio theories. Because as of right now, we really don't know how they're coming in. what you know if we're seeing them in the past first? If we're seeing them in the storybook first? What the whole connotation is? So I think I'm gonna have to wait until after next week and and start to develop a theory.
2: Yeah, I I agree with you. Like I the and which that that's the worst though is because we're gonna have next week and then we're gonna have until what March first. All that Dad. time to percolate our theories. Mm. Oh.
0: That's okay because okay. the whole time that we're thinking about theories, we'll also be watching Galavant.
2: Galavant.
1: It's oh my true. Gosh. I love
0: how both of you launched into it at the same time. That was perfection.
2: <laughs> that is lovely. I have no explanation for that other than shrug.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> Vitamin water?
1: Ice cream. Oh, it must have been the ice cream. I've been hitting the ice cream pretty hard this past week, i got to tell y'all.
2: <laughs> You're going to have to replace it with some sort of evil... I said shrug, not drug, by the way.
1: No, I said
2: drugs. I was like, "Well, uh, no, I have vitamin no, water, no. ice. Well, you can't see me. I'm shrugging here with a with an sh." Yeah, I drug, thought you said
0: you could be like drugs, and I was like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, It was
2: like
1: I have I have vitamin water and ice cream.
2: And then when you said show? that, I was like, oh Lord, they didn't understand me. <laughs> I'm I'm face palming yeah. in my living room right now. It's awesome. I good think time. on that note, uh I don't know about you guys, but <laughs> that's
0: We've reached the end of our show. So awesome. thank you to everybody who has listened this week. We really appreciate your support, as always. Of course we'll be back next Tuesday for our last podcast of season 4A of Once Upon a Time. Keep in mind that after that, we will not be returning until January 6th for the uh, the discussion of the first two episodes of Gallivant. So So um, that's when we'll be back. And then we go to our biweekly schedule after that, which we will update for you guys next week, and we'll make sure that we announce that We've already put it on our Facebook page and on Twitter, but we will get that information out again in case anybody has missed it. And just want to thank everybody again for your support. Our 50th podcast is kind of a milestone, so it's really awesome that all of you have been listening. We really appreciate everybody taking the time out, whether you're listening live, joining us in the chat room, or listening to us um, on one of our archived episodes. We really appreciate your support. And that's pretty much it for our podcast. So stay
2: magical, everybody. Good night. Have a good night.